0: You know what, Delilah? I think, I think perhaps you should go first.
1: She is already uh, adjusting her clothes and her hair to make her look a little bit neater and a little less Queen of Blades uh, before she heads on up the steps.
2: Okay, well this is a three-story stone building. It's uh, not Irish Revival or anything. This appears to be a human manufacturer, but it's sizable, and it's one of the old-school precinct houses. As you walk up, you see like the doors open up and some cops wearing the uniform come, you know, walking out, talking to each other, just ignoring you. There's another two standing by the door. Um, the rain is filtering in here a bit because you're right under the trestle. Right? so you're necessarily not completely roofed in. There's periodic access to the sky. But the rain falls down here, and the steps are soaked, and you walk up and pass between the two globular lanterns on either side of these big glass doors. Once you get inside, the place smells like body odor and smoke. So much smoke. And, like, loud. It's just loud. There's three stories here. In the middle is a great big bullpen where the police offices are. In the center on a raised sort of dais level is what appears to be some secluded offices and uh, in rows, three rows, all around the outside of this place are cells. The rest are cops and when you walk in, if there's a dozen people in here, there's 200. Average age anywhere from 18 to 45 if they're human and if they're not well you know the equivalent but there's a lot of the sort of cop that you learn to avoid when you were a kid in here delilah a couple hundred of them in fact
3: Arabette comes walking up behind her and says so cuz comfortable
1: she uh tosses about a very comfortable smile actually and Looks around because somewhere near the entrance to that bullpen there's a desk with a person who is very put upon and has to deal with all of these assholes all the time to make the wheels turn in this place. And that's who Delilah needs to find.
2: Indeed. I need you to actually roll a perception check. But you can have advantage because the guy was an excellent description. 27. Well, she's got a giant stack of buns on her head, and they're all that thick hair of porkish kind. She's got two or three dozen pencils holding her forefinger up. She's sitting there chewing on her tusks, squinting through her bifocals, and moving paper around a desk, scribbling in the cramped margins and tiny little formic spaces open to her.
1: Delilah's going to take a guess that this is somebody who would see a bribe as crass. A gift, however. Like some really nice ink from Up City, that might go over well, and she thinks she's got a tiny bottle in the pocket of this coat somewhere. Roll a D4 for me, please, Delilah. Four. Yes,
2: actually you do. It's a lovely official blue. Well,
1: I kept that for a reason, Delilah murmurs, smiling, and heads up to the desk sergeant.
3: Yeah, forgery.
1: Excuse me, ma'am.
3: How can
2: I help you?
1: Well, I had brought this up to you, and also I was looking for Yuta. I I know an old friend of hers. You know your stationer's, and you're looking for Yuta. And you don't appear to be official.
2: She's in her office. She uh, reaches over, grabs a horn on her desk, and says, Horvetsky, okay. And a second later, this great big cleanly scrubbed Orkish constable in a freshly pressed brand new Bailey Mena Police Service uniform comes walking up and goes, Yeah, yeah, all right. You're looking for you, to are you? Yes, sir. All right, this way, man. So he takes you up some stairs and around a catwalk that has a wrought iron railing, which is exquisitely beautiful. Like they really don't put this kind of effort into the tower stations or any of the other many dozens of Bailey Mina precincts you've toured for one reason or another. And uh, to one of those old tiny little offices in the corner, it's got a great big door on it, like a big 10 foot door which had become standard in the city since, you know, the Dyrish. And uh, he leads you to the door. He goes, yeah, yeah all right, this is you to um Good luck. And with that, he turns around and walks away with the taps on his patrol boots clicking off the stone of the balcony.
1: Thank you, sir, the Lyle says, and then turns to knock on the office door. What do you want? I'm busy. Uh, I'm Rodrigo's niece. Who? Rodrigo Del Rey.
2: No, oh, for one, one moment. And then there's some shuffling and moving and a chair sliding back and the door opens and a sheepish cop with his tunic undone to the waist and uh, goes rushing off with his head tilted so that you can't really make out who he is. And uh, as you go in, Yuta's just finishing doing her belt up and tucking her shirt back in. She's impressive. Tall and wiry and athletic, just like a coiled spring, you know? Rodrigo Del Rey, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Come in. Talala nods and heads on in. You walk in, there's a chair on the opposite side of the desk. Yuta just kind of waves to it and then sits back in her own Uh, all of the paperwork here is face down whether it's in the in basket or the out basket the in basket has like one sheet of paper
1: and the out basket is full delilah reaches slowly into her coat pocket to pull out the clipping from one of the broadsheets i'm looking at says i know that you've probably seen this but you know i thought of you and i hadn't in a long time
2: Oh, I didn't realize this this was a social call. I'm sorry. um, I was busy. I'm
1: sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
2: Well, then you should have made an appointment. But that's neither here nor there. It's water under the bridge. So you saw a picture of me in the paper. You got nostalgic. And you thought you'd come down. Okay. Well, nice to see you. It's um, Delilah, isn't it? Yes. uh, But the name and the gifts, I understand it.
1: She tilts her head, looking carefully at Yuta.
2: I'm sorry about what happened to your father. Now, how can I help you?
1: She glances back at the open door behind her and speaks quietly. He didn't speak with a lot of hope about most of the people he worked with, but he thought you were different.
2: Listen, if you come to bottom me up, I have better things to be doing with my time.
1: No, I've come because I was surprised that you let an innocent man hang. Oh, that one. Yeah, well, there's not much I could do about it. Not much
2: I can say about it, either. And with that, she casts her glance over into the corner, where a tinted fishbowl sits, you know, just occupying the corner, where it can see the whole room, watching. All the time. The paladins, of course. Or, you know, the saints or anybody from high up in the towers who just wants to have a pee, and frequently does. If I was to uh, tell you to go find a cure if it looks like you're coming down with a red face, there's a place, it's over on Landgrave Bay at Refn. Go there, ask for a cure for red face and maybe a few answers will come to you that way.
1: She knows. I think my father was doing good work in this city.
2: I think he was, too. He was a good man. He was a profound loss. Things took a darker turn when we lost him.
1: She nods and smiles a little. If I made an appointment next time, would you still see me?
2: Of course. Anytime. Unless you to bend my ear or give me money, in which case uh, you can keep it and add money if you stick. It. If you come to reminisce, yeah, now and then I'll drink a tea with an old friend.
1: I'd like that a lot. I'll be back. Thank you, Yuta.
2: And with that, she leans over. And though she is twice your size, she says, I'm as humorous as you are, after all. And everyone needs friends.
1: I'm glad you see it that way. Shall I uh, send him back if I can find him?
2: She leans over and presses a button on her desk and goes, Kovacs, get back in here. Yeah, if you don't mind. Thank you. Enjoy. Oh, I intend to. Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. And so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains coarse language and things that might offend sensitive listeners. And so listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing. Then dig, if you will, the mysteries, magic, and mayhem which follow a felonious fellowship's forays from salons and saloons into parlours of power and places unknown in, around, above, and beneath Byzantine Bailey Mina. Having returned from an autumn spent lost in the dream, will our fiends survive the winter in the city of steel and steam? We could tell you all about it, but we'd rather show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rap Skies. So get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. <laughs>
1: stand outside of Master Ratham's. Delilah looks everyone over and checks with Arabet to make sure he's okay.
3: No, I'm not. I have a little bit of red face.
1: Well, I can take care of it for you either way, but it'll make a cover story. So this place that you're standing in front
2: of is uh, like a two-story affair. It's made of wood and brick and it's uh, on one side of a broad boardwalk away from landgraves bay um landgraves bay you can see if you look to your right down the boardwalk there are docks here which are being used as docks although the place is perpetually twilight and shadowy there are some like you know you can see the prow lights of sailboats going out to well at this time you wouldn't this time of day it's a little late to be going out anywhere to work so these are probably like the water taxi variety of skiffs that uh prowl in and around the many many canals of this district this is one of the things you learned on the way over here there are gondoliers and water taxi services of all kinds and if you are not very specific as to where you want them to take you they will take you other places we flash for a minute to one of these gondoliers leaning well back over the engine of his craft with Shakir's blade, but just under his eye with dude handing Shakir back his own wallet. Flashback to where they are in front of the building. Shakir, still a little niffed looking around. Anyway, the place looks to be part shop, part residence. This house, although it is brick and wood, stands on great big thick Scotian fur pilings. Thirty feet tall goes sinking down the mud of the Firth below. The place is solid, and as you step off the boardwalk, it has its own particular sway. That's not necessarily that of the rest of the island around it. You knock on the door and a human man about forty-five answers a few seconds later. Who's up front, by the way? there's talking involved probably me definitely not me opens the door has a look at delilah looks over at shakir who's looking off down the street and uh describe what the rest of you basically look like
3: wearing my uh peacoat uh rapier and i uh have a little bit of red face going on
0: i am uh overdressed refined half elven gentleman and um too fancy
1: a coat for this part of the city. Can, can, I, can I help you? i was looking for a cure for red face.
2: Yeah, sure. You could uh, c- c- come in. Come in. Come in. Delilah leads everyone in. So he leads you in. There's a foyer with an umbrella stand, and there's like canes and umbrellas and walking sticks. And you notice as he turns back into the house and walks, he's got a bit of a Shuffling, sort of limping gait, uh, as though he'd badly broken his leg at some point and healed wrong. He's got thinning hair, a few spots here and there on his face. Uh, he wears expensive glasses, but cheap clothes, and uh, big, thick slippers, the sole of one of which is noticeably thicker than the other. Right face, yeah, you, you've you've got it. Uh, you've got it pretty good. Uh, do you want? Do, do you want? Do you want leeches or do you want tablets or what, what, what do you want?
3: Well, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, this is my first time.
2: The, the, the treatment room. The, the, come into the treatment. Listen, I, I, I can't. I, I don't have any more money this month. Okay. So if you're just gonna kick the shit out of me, uh, I've got myself aware. I, I, I can give that to you.
3: No.
1: No, no.
2: Like my, my renters, one of my renters was just killed, and and his sister's gone off. I think she's she's gone to find Arabat and and he, you know, like maybe he'll come by and and, and maybe he'll make things better. But but I am Arabid. And With that, he kind of drops the stick he was holding. They said Arabeth is seven feet tall.
3: Yes, but you know the best cure for a condition of red face would not be leeches, would it?
2: No, no, of course not, of course not.
3: I've dabbled a little in alchemy and plants.
2: You saw already through that then. So it's true, you you do know the craft. A little bit. Well then, sorry for the insult. And he flexes his fingers and with that, the stick he dropped leaps back up into his grasp. Come on, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you fixed up
3: excellent thank you uh,
2: I'm sorry but I just think it's fuck it, Doris man anyway I just I've had a sh- shit week and uh did Eleanor sent you
3: yes how much do you owe in rent
2: I don't know I own the place it's mine I've got it clear this is a family home it's I grew up here
3: I mean how much do you owe?
2: Doris fuck all he's, he's just a he's an asshole fucking counselors let well, the whole fucking district for himself, roll over and do what he wants. Well, fucking can't just go doing what you want around here. You just can't. You know why? Because everybody did that. It would be an anarchy, Mr. Arabet. And here in Bailey Mina, well, we have a way. We might not have a lot of rules, but we have a lot of, we have our way, don't we, sir?
3: Yes, we do have a way. And I'm interested. So first, the red face. And then tell us some more.
2: Well, here, sit up on the table, and uh, uh, we'll talk while while you're being
3: treated. Barabit mounts the table.
2: Uh, I'm going to need you to take your shirt off, of course. uh, I'm going to need to give you a shot in
1: the arm.
3: For sure. I take off my coat and gently lay it over the uh, edge of the bed and take off my shirt.
1: Delilah turns like she's speaking to Shakir and quietly murmurs to invoke detect magic and follows along. Well, there is magic in every
2: vial and flask around here. There's magic in his clothing, there's magic in his hands, underneath his fingernails, and magic in the involuntary tattoos all over his palms and thumbs. He is an alchemical medic, few and far between, obviously of the old school. Because looking around his treatment room is it's legit. What isn't broken and off in the corner in a box is kept in immaculate repair and of good quality. It's heirloom stuff. When Arabet raises his arm, Reverend takes out this horse syringe. Arabet, I'm going to need you to do a spine check. So let's have a wisdom save, DC 10.
3: Make that a five.
2: No fucking way.
3: Bleach as it is. Just, would you give me a second?
1: Hang on, sir. I can...
3: Yes, you can. You can. You can tell this gentleman that he's not going to stick me in the arm with this.
2: Like one of the little ones, the little go to sleep now ones, or the have some the smiles for a couple hour ones. You see all up and down the hop houses, in uh, Copper Penny Row. That's fine. Yeah, one of those. Those don't hurt much. That one, that's for that's for the Irishman.
1: Sir, the red face isn't honestly much of a worry to us. We're actually here to find some answers. I hear you lost a renter.
2: Yeah, and uh, oh, did she find you? Did you find her? How did this go? I haven't seen her.
3: She's at my place.
2: Is she safe?
3: She is safe. She's protected by friends of ours.
2: Oh, that's, that's good, Mr. Herbert. That, that's
3: real good. Is she really the sister?
2: Oh, yeah. I've known those two since they came to Bailey Mina. Swab folk burned out of the uh, plantation they were working on um came to the city was all was left of them was just the two of them and uh, wound up here because everything goes to the bottom don't got nowhere to stop so i, I found him and i put him up and you well, know, jeremy he was he wasn't the brightest kid you know that's a weird place to hang a piano and with that arabette you look over at this piano and Refram nails you in the iron pit with the syringe ewwwww Shakir, you can't believe that Arabet fell for that. Must be the red face.
0: Shakir also can't believe that a guy who fights with a sword would be scared of a needle.
2: Well, it is a fairly big needle, but yeah, you're going to get stabbed,
0: right? So Shakir has something of a little grin on his face, but not, not enough to make it like blatantly obvious. But yeah, he's kind of amused at the moment.
2: Bit, is gingerly fitting himself back into his shirt and putting his coat back on. So, Doris, it was fucking Doris. Doris's fucking hands are all over it. There. See, there's thing. I know they caught him. They caught him. They said they caught him there. He was covered in blood, he had a knife in his hand, and the fucking lantern sitting right in the thing. I said, you Guy's all carved up, right? They caught him. They got there, they caught him and made a and uh, you know, and then they hanged them. They just fucking dragged them up and hanged them. Threw him in Hope near. And, uh, and then they dragged them out. Why do we have these assholes in the city? I have to ask. You. Who benefits from policing in this city? I have to ask. You. Thirty years ago, there was none of this bullshit. You see, there would have been a trial. Like Utah, she's all right, but she's one cop out of what, three hundred? What a good, high-paying job cracking heads. Come join the Styles Police. Not Jarmy, you know. He was not that kid. He was not kind to do that. Yeah, they said they caught him. Uh, he was he was in Hope near near Fort Hayes. Let me in Lamier to see him. And they, they killed him. See, and uh, they hanged him. And that was it. And uh, it was over. You think, right? And with that, he's looking right at you, Carter. I look
0: back at him and just hope.
2: Well, you think that was it, but they fucking wasn't, was it? No, they, they, they burnt him up right away. They didn't let nothing. I didn't get to do any rights over him. Didn't get to see him on his way. I didn't even get to say goodbye. Hell, they wouldn't let me talk to him. Nothing at all. Not even after he was dead. I have the ability to do that, you know. It's well within my uh, my uh, education and uh, prowess. You know, I could do that. Just ask him a few questions. Get to the truth of it. But no, right in the oven with him and uh, then out in the mud. What a bunch of bullshit.
1: Well, that's exactly why they wouldn't let you.
3: It was
2: fucking Dorish. I know it was Dorish. Happened right in his fucking backyard.
3: Who is Dorish?
2: Oh, oh, he's one of the fucking, one of the counselors in this ward. One of those fuck fuckfaces. He, he's over on the, uh, the Hemlock Pit. It's, uh, the boss there, over there, big boss over there. He's a junk man, a shipbreaker and uh, a shipper. You know, like one of those uptown places like Porter Houses or uh, Calder and Company. But no, it's uh, nowhere near as rapid it was as that. I don't think he has any ships in the air anymore anyway, or in the water. But he, he makes a pretty, uh, pretty good living from that uh, warehouse he has, whatever's in there. But that fucking morning, they, they hanged him, there, and that fucking morning, the uh, kid Rafe showed up all chopped up across town. Now how in the fuck, I ask you?
1: Well, because they haven't found the killer.
2: Well, oh, clearly not. So uh, why, why, why not let me ask Jeremy? What, what, it's weird, don't you
1: think? Knowing what I know about the police bathing, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's weird at all. But I don't think it's right.
2: Well, things ain't been the same around here since they put the train over the sky, but what can you do?
1: Delilah well, smiles a little at that question. Well, for starters, we can find who the real killer is.
2: Uh, that certainly help. Uh, Hey, Mrs. Aribetton, is that who you are?
1: <laughs> she chuckles. No, uh, if you've heard of Aribet, you may have heard of the Queen of Blades.
2: Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, she's uptown, Queen of the Iron Fire. She's, uh, she's supposed to be a real... Oh, well, things you don't see if you're not looking, eh? Wow, well, how about that, both of you. Here. Wow.
3: Where's his warehouse?
2: Oh, it's 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 over on Hemlock Pit, just about four blocks away. On the side of this this stand, that's what we call them. Just rocks and stands. They're not actual highlands, right? So, yeah, this is Stand Number Six. He's just over on Hemlock Pit, uh, on the uh, on the edge of Seven. The, the highest.
1: Well, I think I know where our next stop is. Are you
2: safe? I don't know, Doris. He's he's big, he's big. You know, not the sort of thing you want to go into without a, a good a good idea of what it, what you're doing. You see? Yeah. I know, Jarmy was to something, and I knew. I I know that Dorish. It has something to do with Dorish, and I I I don't know how, but I, I know they're connected because Doris sure got rid of him, Harry. It didn't stop the murder, though. I think maybe Jarmy caught the murderer. See? and like he, all Jeremy ever said was he didn't know how he got there. I, I don't know. You'd probably talk to the doctor, tell them how they figured it out, but it doesn't make any sense to me, you know. And they won't talk to me. Sure as hell won't get an answer at of Dorish.
3: Who's the
1: doctor? The Lila cracks her knuckles and says, "Well, we got ways of getting answers out of Dorish."
2: I just, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go in there lightly. this Psalm saying. Doctor, doctor, yeah, doctor, what's his name, Tranter, Tranter, uh, uh, Emil Trantor, off uh, in the high quarter, uh, Emil Tranter, you can probably find out more of what he went through there. I mean, you'd find some answers there, I'm sure. Whatever you find out, uh, 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 let me know.
3: Yes. Have you eaten?
2: Oh, I had some for breakfast.
3: Good. Would you like a bagel? While you chew on that, I want you to listen to me for a second.
2: So you from behind his glasses?
3: We were never here. We are not here, and we are definitely not going anywhere near the warehouse or the doctor. Do you understand?
2: Pretty good, like that. I'm gonna lock the door and get my shotgun after you leave.
3: Good, Mr. Ray. What do you think we should do next?
1: Maybe we start with the doctor.
3: They're in the same district.
1: There's a vanishingly small chance the doctor may not be in on it. And if not, we could win a pretty smart ally.
3: All right, then. Shakir, do we have anybody following us? Did Shakir notice anything before they went inside?
2: Uh, nope. Like, nobody followed you in here. Nobody was really paying you any attention because of the big circuitous route you took to get here. By the time you realized the guy was just milking you for money and, uh, bent him backwards over the back, like, well, that's way more than we should pay, so why don't you give us a refund and take us there anyway? That's what happened. But, no, nobody chased you.
3: You made sure of that. At this point, no called her. Yes. We need to go see the doctor. Agree. Delilah, I think that since we're going to the same district, we should also maybe go buy this warehouse without going in.
1: At least without letting anybody know we're going in.
3: Yes. Okay then, let's go.
4: Hey, this is Chance from NorCal Mythos Entertainment. I want to talk to you today about Lockdown, our upcoming anime-inspired tabletop role-playing game that's heading straight to Kickstarter. With all of our games, we really try to make it to where you can be what you want to be. And anime has so many amazing worlds and stories in it. Lockdown is designed as a sci-fantasy system, which means you don't really have limits on it. You can make any style of game that you want, whether sci-fi or fantasy or something in between, on top of that, we also added rules if you want to go through and focus in on shounen aspects or mecha aspects or cosmic horror, or maybe some cyberpunk. You can design the system and have rules that will help you to play the game that you want, not just the game that was built in. Lockdown is an expansion also to Carbine Jungle, but it's also built as a standalone game. With Lockdown, you have everything you need to go ahead and start playing your games and enjoy your characters. So if tabletop role-playing games or anime is your thing, Check out Lockdown, hitting Kickstarter this April.
2: We pick up with Arabic and Calder.
3: So I've never been to the doctor, you know. Do you mean this doctor or any doctor? Well, any doctor, really. I just went to Stitch, you know?
0: Well, he was Dr. of speaking, but are you nervous around doctors?
4: Well,
3: I don't know that it's nervous. How do you talk to a doctor?
0: Um, well, typically after pleasantries are exchanged, the doctor will ask how they can help you You describe your ailment.
2: A young man, about twenty-five years old, comes down the stairs. He doesn't say anything. His hands are in his pockets, and he's wearing hospital scrubs.
0: Calder looks over and kind of stares at a bit for a moment. Yes, well, hello. Allow me to introduce my friend. Um, I believe he's in some need of medical attention.
2: And then he turns around and walks back up the stairs.
0: Does it seem like we should perhaps follow him or that he's just leaving?
2: He stops about halfway up, turns to look and see if you're coming. With his hands still in his pockets, turns and walks back up the stairs.
0: Before we go up, I lean into I lean close to Airband and I say, before we get any further. What shall I call you?
3: Let's go with Daniel.
0: Very well. And uh, I guess we uh, trot upstairs. Uh, I'll lead, but uh, I'll try to hold the door open so that uh, Daniel uh, can uh, follow the doctor.
2: So he goes up to the big classic doors of, the, of a huge hospital. There's lights on every joint of the walls, the but would be turrets, but instead are just, you know, mounts for the anchors to hold the spiral razor wire that tops the wall. This is Hope Near Asylum, and you passed it on the way into the district, if you'll recall. It lies at the end of a suspension bridge on Lamplicker's Way in the high quarter. It is obviously... An industrial building a prison the windows are all barred with iron and the place just has that weird yellow electric light radiating from within as you approach the building between the big broad gray and spackled posts, which once were fine marble you would think but Look to have been spackled with this shit from above for decades. Between these hangs a wooden sign bearing the words "Welcome Home," barely legible beneath the muck. You get to the front doors and find yourself sitting in a big old foyer, about 18 feet on a side, and the thing is roughly hexagonal. It's tall, too. There's a belfry windows above and a, a bell hanging. Where the bell pull is, you can't see it, but it's got to be somewhere around. The kid that you followed to the door turns around and says, There's some chairs
0: there. I will attend to my uh, ailing friend to make sure that he's seated first and comfortable.
2: Uh, well, I guess, suppose I will get you the, the, the doctor. I'll, I'll be back. And then he heads off behind this next big door which he opens and closes with a boom. Now even though the electric lights are on in here, they dispel the gloom only slightly. The main light from the day comes in from the lights above and it casts this sort of weird purplish-bluish gloom in this foyer. This is not a particularly welcoming place And these benches they're bench seats there you could sit two on them not comfortably calder despite appearances you still have a tail in
0: this coat fair enough
2: you remain standing
0: fair enough well you know um as foreboding as it is i'm i'm actually quite comfortable here it at least has the trappings of a copper establishment well, the bars certainly are imposing they keep the riffraff out so uh, i'll uh i'll take a little tour of the place
3: is that kid okay calder
2: on the wall above the door that the kid disappeared through there's a great big not as dirty spot on the wall just time and time dusk and discolored paint it looks as though somebody's removed a big four by eight portrait the one from the Presently, the door opens and a bent and gray human person comes in Insights, both of you. 17. 17. No,
3: 16. What did you get, Chris? 17.
0: I got 16.
2: There's something about the way this person moves. This is clearly Dr. Trenton. Although, by the name Emile, you would have expected a man. She has deep wrinkles in her face, although she only looks to be about 35 if you know what i mean one of those people who's had a hard life she's got a worried brow and her skin has a grayish sort of pallor. she comes out she's wearing her you know her white coat and has her hands clasped in front of her and she's like yes uh, hello i'm dr chanter how can i help you hello dr chanter my name is local calder
0: I've, uh, I've come to bring my friend
2: Dan in need of your Daniel, you say? Okay, what's wrong with you, Daniel?
3: I think I've got the red face.
2: Oh, you, you should go see Master Raphim over in the uh, alchemist's quarter. He's quite good with the cure, and uh, this is an asylum for the infirm of God. Uh... Yes. I'm afraid if you're looking for a hospital. Oh. You won't find one in the style.
3: Master Ravram sent us here.
2: So, why the roots?
3: I'm nervous around doctors.
2: I can see that you also have the coloration of somebody who's Began the recovered from, from red face. So, how can I help you? Because the only woman that I
3: ever well, we're concerned about Mr. Lovage.
2: Oh, yes. Of course, Rapham would send people. Come with me. She opens the door and leaves it open this time. And And this foyer opens onto a a anteroo, another anteroom, which is better better furnished. This has comfortable chairs and low coffee tables, and there are magazines and broadsheets of various descriptions. The magazines are. Uh, modern alienist and, and family henology and thinkery today and other save things like that. Me, save me, save and the doctor me leads me you past me. the desk where sits a nurse in her save uniform. Me, save me, save and as you walk past, she looks up and smiles really broadly and blinks well, her nostrils. It sounds quite fetching to call her. Indeed, it is. Calder, it's enough to turn your head. Roll Arcana.
0: Sixteen total.
2: A changeling? A cha- you've heard of changelings, but you've never met one who was a born changeling anyway. Ignari could change his face, but that was a gift of the ragged lady, right?
0: Indeed it was. Well, I Calder's very tempted to introduce himself, but merely nods, uh, gives a slight smile, and hurries up to catch up with a good doctor and Daniel.
2: With a wry grin, the nurse files her nails and you walk past. The doctor leads you into her office.
0: This uh, room we're in doesn't seem uh, appropriately private?
2: It's an office. So when you walk in, the nurse gets up behind the desk, comes and closes the door behind you. You both have a seat in front of the doctor's desk. She sits at her desk, opens a drawer, takes out three glasses, sets them on her desk, and then a decanter of reddish bourbon. Uh, Would you like a drink, gentlemen? I love a drink. And you, sir? Why, yes, thank you. Very good. She pours three fingers into three glasses and then kind of gestures with her eyebrow for you to take whichever one you want
3: I take the closest I just take the nearest glass too
2: she takes the one nearest to her she holds it up in like a chin chin sort of toast and has a sip
0: absolutely salutations and such to your well I guess to Daniel's health
2: yes quite So, Daniel. Yes, ma'am. What do you need to know?
3: Well, I've been doing this run around the styles, trying to figure out why anyone was murdering anyone in the first place.
2: This is Bailey Mina. I mean, murder is a daily occurrence here. It's only news when it's someone famous. Isn't that right?
3: Well, that's true. But what I mean is... Why in the styles, why run around amok? I understand business.
0: Yes, the uh the body count of the city is well, it's nothing for us to be proud of. But however there's a certain cold logic to how those events come to be, and we see no such logic here.
2: Yeah, that is the weird thing, isn't it? See, he was butchering his victims and just leaving them out. Sure, pieces would go missing, or there'd be some weird design carved into them here or there. But I had him in my custody for a few days. And I've got to say, there is no doubt to the evidence. Absolutely not. He was caught red-handed, covered in the blood of his victim, standing over them with the lantern that had been reported in so many other incidences. I, I understand that They caught him at the site of the last murder.
0: Yes, damning indeed. I'm sorry, did you say that you had him in your care for some days?
2: Yes, between the arrest and his execution.
0: Did you have the opportunity to um, examine or care for him?
2: I spoke to him a few times in my capacity as an alienist. I must say, although the evidence is... Overwhelming and damning, his remorse was far more compelling and, and and more believable than that of any other troubled person I have ever worked with. And I have known my share of murderers, sir. Tell me,
0: doctor, remorse for the killings, or remorse for being accused of such?
2: Well, he maintains his innocence although even he can't deny the evidence. He said he didn't remember anything.
0: Did you perhaps have opportunity to um, examine his feet?
2: Yes, he was dressed in hospital attire while he was here.
0: Anything noteworthy?
2: Nothing special. The normal fungi and whatnot, but nothing outstandingly wrong. I took a very thorough physical before he was admitted and again when he was released.
0: Sorry, Sean's thinking.
3: Arabella's is thinking too.
0: How's the uh what 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 are we drinking?
2: It's offensive and it's garbage and you wouldn't wash the windows with it in the shit house you reserve for the Nigels, but it's whiskey. Arabet. This is the old 62. It's uh, a mid-range to upscale downtown distillery. And this is probably their finest distilling.
3: This is good stuff. You didn't skimp on us, thank you.
2: I don't get many visitors.
0: Calder makes a mental note that if this goes well to send a proper bottle to the good
3: doctor. That's true. Doctor. Yes.
2: Daniel, was it?
3: Yeah, well, um, the real name is Bet. So, Doctor, I I just want to know, did anyone ask your opinion?
2: No, actually, they just kept him here under lock and key to keep him away. I mean, only one person was allowed to see him. Then they hanged him. Then they burned him. And then they dumped his ashes on the preceding time.
3: So, who saw him?
2: The counselor, Mr. Dorish. I don't mind saying that was both unsettling and odd. It's also quite curious.
0: First time his name has come up. So, um, just to ensure that I have this correct, they brought in a, a frantic man covered in blood with no memory of committing any crime had him kept here
2: yeah that that's about it he spent the last couple of days drawing on the walls with a piece of charcoal and uh then they hang him
0: and then they destroyed the body right away what did he draw
2: i don't know how to answer that question mr daniel i mean i could show you but i don't know how to tell you
0: the drawings are still there. I I would very much like to see them.
2: I'm not sure that's true, but finish your whiskey first anyway, okay?
0: Calder smiles and takes another sip.
2: Fantor takes you out of her office and across to the other side of the lobby where sit a pair of broad iron doors. She takes a large key out of her pocket, opens the doors, looks at the nurse behind the counter who nods at her, presses a button. There's a long, There's a loud chunk from the doors and they swing open on oiled hinges. You step inside.
0: Calder's wondering, are iron doors common? Like, does this stand out?
2: They look like the artifact of old workmanship.
0: All right. Well, this whole building's uh, a throwback, right? So, yeah, okay. The building is a throwback,
2: yes. And uh, apparently formerly a prison by the look of it. Oh. Like I said, a prison built in the style of a country manor house
0: a menacing manner. (laughs) Yes. 23 arcana. Does this look like the kind of thing that was chosen to be iron to keep certain things inside or just iron is heavy and durable?
2: This is iron because iron keeps things inside. Yes. These are like bloody red with rust. They swing open quietly on the hinges. There's no squeaking like that. It opens up. As soon as you break the plane of this door, you are assaulted. The screaming and cursing from the cells combines with an overpowering stench of unwashed bodies and just shit and filth and mildew and rotting straw and a general wetness. You've smelled it since you got down here, but it's really thick and dank and pervasive here. So I need you both to make constitution saves. 16 for me one plus one makes two arabette you are overwhelmed by this like you are a man of finely tuned senses and hair trigger reflexes right this place is an assault on you in every possible way you are overwhelmed because you rolled a natural one it makes you real back into calder calder this has taken arabette quite off guard and uh, it is probably in noticing that that it gives you something to focus on so that you are not yourself overwhelmed by the smell and stench of this place Trantor comes back and like while you catch him Trantor comes up to his chest and out of her pocket she takes a vial of smelling salts and passes them under her nose and she uh, taps him on the cheek a couple of times Daniel Daniel pay attention look at me and, like, she's pointing at the, at her glasses. Daniel, can
3: you see me? I can see you.
2: Focus now. Follow me. Are you okay, sir? And she looks at you. Called her.
3: Yes, I'm
0: I'm fine. Thank you.
2: Then help him bear up. This is a lot. This place is not for the faint of heart.
0: Indeed, no. And I'll, I'll sort of help Airbet stand up and kind of square his shoulders a little. And, and then I'll pat him on the back of the neck. When I do that, I'm placing a small, spinning dial with a couple of thin, brass mm, straps that uh, gently clamp onto the back of his neck. And with that, I will cast enhanced Ability, giving him Bear's Endurance for an hour. I have to concentrate, but I suspect there might be more of this. Arabat has advantage and constitution and 2d6 temporary hit points.
2: Fantastic.
0: 10 temporary hit points. So, uh, yeah, this is hard for me because I need to, you know, be uh, concentrating through this. Uh, I lean into him and say, this should make you feel better, but you'll have to do the talking.
2: All right, you get to re-roll that save, bet.
3: I have advantage now?
0: Yes, you? you do, my friend.
3: Yeah, it's a good thing, I... <laughs> well, Make a 10.
2: Yeah, a 10 makes it, though. That's all you need. But no, it takes him a bit. Actually, uh, he biffs it again. And then you have to adjust the machine. And finally, he, he gathers himself. But holy shit, bet. you walk with your hand on uh, on your friend's shoulder. Thank the runes, collar is here.
3: This place is disgusting.
0: I, uh, I lean in and I just kind of pop up the collar on his jacket a little to make sure it's covering his neck. I say, yes, but it's better than wings, no?
2: Oh, <sighs> hey, Bet, make a wisdom save with advantage.
3: Well, my first roll's a 16.
2: That's good enough. Yes, much better than wings. And uh, you know, at least for as horrible as this is, it's real.
3: Yeah, it is real.
2: Real sad. So Ranta stops at the end of the hall, at, at the end of a hallway, before a heavily locked door, and she turns to you and says, "Follow me. Keep your eyes on my back." And with that, she unlocks a door. When she opens this hallway up, there's just iron doors and silence. As you step into the hallway, this unnatural gurgle just churns up from the cell on your right. It's quickly joined by other voices. It's a good thing you made your saves because as Trantor ignores the din, she hurries off down the hall and then ushers you to follow her through an open cell door. And when you get in there, you see that the walls are covered in sketches all overlapping each other and confusing waves, patterns, swirls, and all of these designs. I need an intelligence check.
0: Rolled a 19, total of 22.
2: Good one. You see. Like you're looking and you're trying to pick out various parts of this, and finally you focus and see that It's The one wall is this big mural and it shows tentacles rising up, which looks like, if you're not mistaken, the skyline as you look out from your shop in Queensbridge.
0: Well, I assume that feels like a cold skeletal hand around my heart.
2: You know, it does indeed. Heribet,
3: how'd you do? Sixteen.
2: Like it's like it's black. It's 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 gradients of black, right? Like a deep chasm or pit. There's eyes, swirls, like swaying patterns that look like tentacles. And as you focus in further, you see that little humanoids are wrapped in the end. Care to make an intelligence arcana check, gentlemen?
0: Ooh, natural 20, my friend. 27.
2: 12. This is just crazy gibberish. There's like, he drew in charcoal, he drew in blood. There's tentacles and fish and things all over the wall. There's like, I'm not crazy! And a picture of his sister. Just this mad chaotic swirl. To a height of about seven feet, he drew all over the walls. Completely unintelligible skills. Calder, you see that the tentacled creature, which I described to Arabet, whose tentacles are probably the ones eating Bailey Mina in the part that you saw, like you make that out as well, but apart from being dragged out, everybody being dragged down into the dark, the creature itself, if you are not mistaken, appears to be shackled by a collar attached to a chain. The chain links all the way around the corner of the room down to one little bit underneath that bit of skyline of Bailey Mina where they it ends in a fish. Like a fish with several tails. Really?
0: So, Calder is just enthralled. So, without even thinking about it, I I get out my monocle, I charge it up, I take a close look, I touch the wall, I cast Identify.
2: Okay, so you put the monocle up and it accesses the gem into which you have spent a few, well more than a few, several dozen hours coding your encyclopedias, you know, just for an experiment. See if you can write it on the inside of a gem, right? You have an engraver. Why not use it? The neat thing is the link between that encyclopedia gem and this monocle, because as you look through it and cause it to focus on various parts, well, the tentacles could be from several different things, from a kraken to down to an everyday squid. They're not especially identifiable, but the multi-tailed fish. Ah, there's a thing—an obelisk. Roomlanders is recorded, live and curated, produced, and edited by me, with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin, Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stokovaz, Greg Sednick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts. And if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little Easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes and so much more at Runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon. That'll about do it for this episode.
3: Next time on Runelanders, we're going to have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then.
2: I'm DM Matt Adam.
3: I'm DM Zeta, Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next, take good care.